1: Irish Cream Cold Brew with Cold Foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try Cold Foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quota Pounder. I'll try your filet of fish There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just 6 bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send an email, it's exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. To find out about the broadcast schedule we have for you, 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel, on Simul TV, which is channel 21, Simultv.com. And later on this month, we're going to be on, uh, let me see, uh, Craig, where, where's the list? Pop it up for me. Thanks, Craig. Comcast, iLaunch, and uh, we're going to be right across the United States and into 50 other countries around the world. We're also going to be on Jungle TV and uh, distributed by Globecast. Times are growing here in the Exxon, and I've got you to thank. And for doing the show for 30 years, I've had the opportunity of meeting some very interesting people, to put it mildly. But I've also had the opportunity of meeting people who really want to, to do things the right way, who want to make a difference, who want to share the information in a credible way. And such is my guest this hour, David Campione. I had the pleasure of having Dave on the show the first time 26 years ago. And uh, a little bit about David. David's father, Michael J. Campione, started his UFO flying saucer research in 1948. David's life uh, growing up exposed him to numerous UFO flying saucer information and experiences with extraterrestrial spacecraft. Most of this was done from 1950 to the 1990s. David was a member of Delvel, that's the Delaware Valley UFO nonprofit organization, Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. His interest in extraterrestrial visitors continues to this present day. David has produced and narrated a UFO flying saucer documentary on VHS. David produced Michael's spacecraft photographs and information <coughs> Excuse me, he had accumulated from various people around the United States, including Mr. Paul Villa's photographs of a flying saucer during the daytime up close and personal. All this information was made into a 59-minute documentary, The World's Greatest UFO Flying Saucer Video, and was presented at the UFO Convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, David has published and is available... uh, Hold on here. This doesn't make sense to me. Let me try this again. David has published a uh, book that is entitled UFO Spacecraft Identification, which is available on Amazon.com. Joining me now is David Campione. And uh, after the show, Exxon Nation, if you'd like more information about David, visit his website at spacioussky.com. And David, welcome back to the Exxon. It's always a great pleasure having you on the show, my friend.
2: Thank you, Rob, for that wonderful introduction. I, I appreciate it. It's been a while, and I'm glad to be back. David, you and
0: I go back 26 years, and um, there are many times people will ask me when I go out doing speeches or lectures or doing other shows. They'll say rob, what have what changes have you seen in the world of ufology since you've been doing your show? And I have to answer them honestly. nothing. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Dave, Dave, what happened? Why was there this in your opinion, this massive download of information, this massive n- number of sightings, whether it was uh, you know uh, first kind, second kind, third kind. and today, with all this modern technology we have, there seems to be next to nothing going on. What happened, in your opinion?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I honestly don't know what what happened. It seemed mm-hmm. like during the uh, what the '70s and '80s we were seeing everything. Uh, every the movies were being put yeah. out, and um, I think that's when uh, what was the Close Encounters of the Third Kind or yeah. and oh. uh, and Contact, and they were out there and they were they were produced. I thought they were produced. Very well for Hollywood to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, put the information out there, but it just seems like it it, it everything shifted towards uh, politics, and um, even though there are websites, a lot of websites mm-hmm. um, uh, I won't mention. I, I guess I can. Uh, sure. Recently, I, I would say I'm saying recently. I would say within the last two and a half years, um, Yahoo has has had more ufo articles uh than any other any other website that i visit Mm -hmm. you know in the mainstream websites and um of course of course all the people who are extraordinarily uh uh experienced with photoshop and videos um you you get to see you get to see things that that you you question is this real i i don't know if you saw the one some years ago um Uh, How somebody had you know Millennium Millennium Falcon from Star Wars? Yes, yes, I know the
0: I know the one you're talking about.
2: Yeah, that was flying over these palm trees, and they're going. I said, I can't believe this. You know, people are really good out there with faking stuff, and I think that's what I think that's basically what's happened uh, over the years. The more the more we got into the uh, the social media and electronics, uh, the computers, and and what people can do. And, you know, you don't know what's real anymore. Um, the most recent that I, I think it was last fall where the uh, the Na- United States Navy released these. I don't know it was some some space. I mean, uh, fighter jet was out right. and they had they said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this is actual UFO. Well, everybody, it looked like a Tic Tac. Yeah. <laughs> It was in black and white, and this guy's going along, and uh, and it did nothing. And I thought, wow, that's that's a downer. There, I'm expecting something phenomenal to see, and you know. But at least they brought something out. That's the only thing that I can say. But it was how many years? I think that was done in '04 or '06, so it was like 14, uh, 14, or uh, 12 years later that they brought this thing out. Well, you know I, yes. I, I
0: I found it very, very. Uh coincidental that they brought this tic-tac uh, UFO <laughs> footage from the, from the, uh, you know, the aircraft's gun, uh, gun camera right? when all this talk about the Russians having developed a hyperspace weapon that the United States could not defend itself against. Now <laughs> I, I looked at that and I figured well wait a minute maybe this is the United States letting Russia know that they too have a hypersonic weapon. You know yeah. the, the the Cold War, as mm-hmm. as you and I well know, remembering the mm-hmm. you know the Cuban Missile Crisis, the the Space Race, and everything else that has been going know. on since you know since I can remember since the end of World War Two, and I really don't think that President Trump and um, and uh, Vladimir Putin have. You know come to the point where the cold war really isn't still going on. I think it's gone up a few notches based on today's technology
2: yeah i think I think you're right I think they ramped it up now yeah. now just to to add a little addendum to that back in um uh, let's see i think I, I think i was we were my wife and I were introduced to the information it was a a a, a couple out of um Tehachapi California, and they were They used to, let's see, it was E.J. and his wife, um, Doris, which they called Dharma. She would channel uh, a commander, Hatan, from one of these. He says his spaceship up there was, I don't know, it could be Venus. I mean, the huge, the size of this thing. I mean, he said, well, what do you think a star is, a starship looks like? But anyway, he... uh, he, she would channel, and some of the information that, that she put out over the years that and what she received from Commander Hatton, if you can, you know, it, it's a lot of discernment there. Sure. Um, he said that the Russians back then already had satellites up there that were controlling our weather. And also, they had the technology of, of firing. Now, they didn't say lazy, they didn't say mm-hmm. lasers, but they had the missiles. And we were just like. Uh, You know, the United States was like a pawn to these people. So whether that's changed or not I have no idea. I mean, I'm so far out of the loop with the US military I I can't I don't know if I should believe half the stuff I hear from them what they do But but this is back 30. Well, let's say in 1989 Mm -hmm. and through the 90s when this uh, when this group was in existence and um but you know they were putting that out there and they said the the Russians were in charge now now it's interesting that recently president trump said we want to have a, what's it a space uh, space troops or space space force
0: space force, space force.
2: Space force. Yeah. yeah so who knows what uh, what's going on now and now and and and, uh, and i think uh, what did not china just land on the other side of the moon i think they put something up there or they're about to and then we're supposed to go back to the moon again. It's like everybody's jockeying the big powers for uh, for all this uh, positioning of uh, superiority yeah. from up above. Yeah.
0: David, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our first commercial break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. And Nation, if you'd like to find out more about David or how you can get your very own copy of the world's greatest UFO flying saucers as well as UFO spacecraft identification manual, visit www.spacioussky.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the and a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
1: Progressive presents Forest Metaphors.
2: About bundling your home and auto.
0: Welcome back, everyone. You know what I can't understand, Exonation, is why people within the UFO community keep changing their story. For example, do you remember Travis Walton? Well, oh, yeah. he, you know he he's out there, and you know he and some other uh, loggers see what they claim to be a UFO. Travis Walton goes uh, goes close to it to see what it was, and apparently, when the story first came out, Travis Walton was abducted. He mm-hmm. spent a couple of days in space, returned to Herbert, Arizona, and the story goes on from there. It's, it's, it's you know it was made into a movie, a TV yeah. program. It's called Fire in the Sky. Yep. Now, dare, now, uh, Travis Walton is saying, well, no, no, what happened was that the ray from the flying saucer hit me and killed me, and the aliens brought me aboard their spacecraft and revived me, brought me back to life. Okay. Then you've got Major Ed Dames, who was part of the Remote Viewing... <laughs> yeah. uh, remote Viewing...
2: Um,
0: mm. What do we call Remote Viewing? Yeah, remote Viewing, that's it. Yeah, remote Viewing, uh, who, who apparently was... Uh, who taught at the CIA. Mm-hmm. A- and now he's saying that he has remote-viewed extraterrestrials, and this May he is going to meet them in a California desert. And mm. to prove that he's really met them, he's going to bring everybody proof. And what the aliens told them that they are going to do is they are going to disable a Russian sub, a Russian nuclear sub, and an American nuclear sub. Uh, That is, in my opinion, very stupid, but we'll have to see if this really happens. And then you've got Daryl Sims, the alien hunter, who is now saying that not only was he abducted, but his son has been abducted as well. Mm. It, and these stories just keep on developing it's, it's like they people have to reinvent themselves yeah. and, and you know David, oh I've, I've known you for 26 years. Yeah. You have stayed the same and I applaud that.
2: Oh, thank you I appreciate that. Yeah well truth it's truth, Rob. that's the way I look at it When you keep yeah. changing you forget what your first story was that's mm-hmm. what they always say. Yeah <laughs> tell us about you, tell us about yeah. your tell us about your sighting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The uh, first sighting I had, um, I was uh, leaving uh, I was 12 years old in mm-hmm. 1956. As for everybody out there, you, you can if you can do the math, you can know I'm 74. So that saves you some time. Um, we were leaving a the Boy Scout meeting. Uh, yeah. Five other friends, and there were total with me. It was six of us, and we were. It was in Philadelphia in the in the holmesburg section of philadelphia and we were walking uh, on frankfort avenue walking home when you were allowed to walk home at night and um we uh, stopped we crossed a bridge over to penny pack creek going to frankfort avenue bridge we all called it and uh, and crossing over to penny creek and we stopped and yeah we were kids and we were kicking rocks in and throwing rocks down and, and into the water and it was and all of a sudden we all six of us just looked up and looked mm-hmm. down the river now it's. It was just so hard to figure how how far away this was. The only the, the, only thing we can think of was it was down over the Delaware River and then it was it was some miles away from where we were, and it looked like the full moon was, traversing, you know, on its side, just like you you would see the moon and just going right down in front of us. And it opened. It came from the uh, from the north and was going south. And when it hit the opening, we caught the the glimpse of it coming coming uh, uh, through to the, where we could see directly out into the, uh, towards the Delaware River, where there were no, where there were no trees, you know, with the river was sure. wide enough where they, you look straight down, you're not going to see any trees uh, obstructing your view. And then it was high enough. And we had us, Rob, it was like seconds. I mean, I'm mean, saying seconds, it was probably, uh, it couldn't have been more than two seconds. And it was a... We described it, or I described it as a fluorescent uh, light white. There was no reflection. It was just light, uh, just white light, and it was a circular disc estimated Mm -hmm. now from where we, a couple miles away, 300 feet in diameter. We're kids. We don't. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell distance now, even. I have a hard time. um, But what I did notice on the side of the craft as it went past, there were concentric let's see one two four concentric circles there were black lines and they they just you know there were there were space I, I guess perfectly to, for right. their, for their manufacturer, whatever, whatever the craft was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it was gone, you know, and we all looked at it and we looked at each other and said, what the heck yeah. <laughs> What would we just see here? <laughs> Full moon going down the Delaware river, you know, who knows, you know, it could have been a hundred thousand miles, well, I don't know if it was a hundred thousand miles an hour, but it could have been, uh, it could have been a thousand miles an hour cause it was so quick. But there were six of us that saw this. And that was my, my first sighting. Now, what's really interesting about that back in I'm, I'm, I'm jumping forward to the uh, uh, late 70s. I think it was late 70s, late 70s when um, we formed my dad set up the uh, and I was a part of it, of the DelVal UFO organization, <clears throat> the nonprofit group. And one of the men who who used to come, he was a he worked for a think tank in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which it was all high tech at the time area very, very, uh, uh, big on, on professional businesses and large corporation, uh, home offices and think. And, uh, and I was telling him about, about that when we were, when I was 12 and with my friends and, uh, and he looked at me and, and he just said they were from Alpha Centauri. And I go, what, I said, well, who was he said that crap you saw? I said, I said, Dick, I said, how would you know that? He says, well, he says, my job is I go in my job every day is I go and sit in a in a in a bunker or a room within a building with no windows, no walls, no, no. Uh, I mean, with walls and no clocks. And uh, and I just sit there and, and I think and it's called a th- I work for a think tank. And I get impressions, and uh, this is what you saw, and where or where these people were from in this particular spacecraft. Mm. Well, I have no way of knowing, and that's the only thing that I could. I got to go along with what this guy said. He said it was Malfa Centauri. I have no way to know whether whether it really was or not. So, 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 <laughs> how, uh, so, so how, many, how, how many how
0: many how many spacecraft or UFOs have you seen in in your uh, entire lifetime?
2: Uh, Thirteen that I can actually say there wow. were spacecraft and um, f- including that one I was just talking about
0: were they different sizes different shapes
2: yeah there were uh well this one was a circular one, the first one, and mm-hmm. the um, uh, this the smallest that I saw was uh you know it's just really interesting Bob, uh, Rob when i was i used to go up with my friends uh, in fact one of the guys that I saw this craft at 12 years old. We're st- we're still friends after all these years. From uh, from oh, well, I've I've known him since I was five years old, and we're we're still friends. And we he comes down and we photographs. So I take him on junkets to photograph wildlife. But um, uh, the area that we used to we used to fly fish in upstate New York, when uh, the Pennsylvania border on the Upper Delaware River. Mm-hmm prior to going up there this one week we always went up in the spring and this one time we went up in the fall and they were getting sightings for that whole week prior going going up in the catskills area of of new york state of of flying saucers there were three days of people just reporting spacecraft up in that area so I'm, i'm getting to my point which i'll make it quick um when when I was up there and we were and then when I was fishing and I had, wherever I was camped, I got up there today the ahead of time and set up camp and we we tented. We're like we're like five miles in the woods. I mean, from middle of nowhere, and uh, I, I was canoeing down. We would go up a river and then canoe canoe down. And I was by myself, and there were people on this island that we always fit, fly fish off of in the springtime, and. And I decided there were too many people on the right side of the island. It was a little bit of a rapid, so I went to the left side, and there was a woman on the bank, and there was a man on the, on the left bank, and there was a man uh, uh, on the right, on the island, facing the lady. And up on the hill were three men. I was in, it was in the early 80s because I was, I was involved with forensic photography, so I, I'm looking at these guys up in, the, up in the woods with a black SUV, and they got uh, blue blazers, white shirts, red ties, and guns. And I'm thinking, what the heck? So anyway, I'm talking to these people, and I'm as I'm ca- canoeing through, it. and here, the man I was talking to, because we were a brief uh, brief conversation of life, it was Jimmy, president, former president Jimmy Carter, or or, or former president of the United States Jimmy Carter, I should say. <laughs> so and he had seen, uh, he said he saw UFO. What in the seventies, I think it was, and uh, he was a uh, he was in the, in the in the Navy, yeah, and. But I, I just found it ironic. Here, here, the, president of, uh, the former president of the United States is, loves fly fishing, and his wife uh, loves it also. And they're in, heading to the Catskills. So, for three days during that preceding weekend, there was a UFO craft that, that people were seeing all over. And then I run into Jimmy, President Jimmy Carter, former President Jimmy Carter, on his island. And I thought, well, how, it's so ironic. That something like this would happen so i wrote him a letter and i didn't talk about flying saucers i just i just sent him a letter and uh, up in plains uh and uh he he sent me a little reply a reply back on how much he enjoyed that area up there and i it's just it was just so strange that here here he had seen a flying saucer and he said that before he ran for for the president of the united states and then like i'm saying that for those three three incidents or three three different nights of sightings in, the, in New York, in the Catskills area, New York State, and then here's a president shows up, and, right. I, and I had a brief conversation with him. Stand and I got by, David.
0: David, I've got to take my news break. Please stand by. Okay. Exxon Nation, David Campione. Campione is our special guest. SpaciousSky.com is his website, and we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. David Campione is our special guest this hour, XO Nation, www.spacioussky.com. And if you'd like to get a copy of David's book, UFO Spacecraft Identification Manual, it is available on Amazon.com. David, I had to cut you off because of the uh, news break we have to take all our all our all our breaks are hard so we can't deviate tell finish that story that you were telling us
2: yeah well after after uh after still fishing the rest Mm -hmm. of the weekend that was on a saturday and um and you know talking to all the different people up there anyway because one one group of people uh, when i went down to where my tent was and they these people came out and they were dragging my canoe on, and they said, "Boy, you're really who? Who are you?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" And he says, "Well, that's how I found that I was a president, former president of the United States." These people thought I was important, right? But anyway, I'm driving home on Sunday. The next day, we spent my friends and I uh, that were that came up on Saturday. we, we right. sp- we fished Saturday and part of Sunday. And I'm driving home through the farms and um, around the, it's a town called, it's not, I mean, it's the only town that I know of in that area. It's called Equinox, Pennsylvania, a little, I don't think they, I think they had a bar in it and I, that's it. I didn't, I didn't, think they had, a, it wasn't a town, but that's what they called it. And I'm driving through this, through the farm area and all of a sudden I look off to the left, I'm passing this, uh, I just passed the, cow. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, there was a milking farm and i um, and I see about 100 feet in the air. I see this gold globe. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been three or four feet in diameter. Solid. It, it just looked like a solid gold piece of. Uh, it was a sphere, and uh, no reflection coming off at nothing. And this thing just disappeared and then just was zipping on by like it like it popped into view and uh, uh and then just kept on going and then popped out of view again so it was just uh, just interesting but the but the other sizes that i had seen i've seen them um uh, uh when i was fly i'm not fly surf fishing in um uh ship bottom new jersey on long beach island uh, and I, I always, always took a coat because you're out fishing and you're out there all day within the wind and the sea and you're standing on the beach and, you know, you're there for eight hours mm-hmm. and it gets cold. And uh, and I saw this black cloud coming, this incredible storm. And I'm thinking, am I going to make it? I, I was debating whether to leave the beach or not because <laughs> so I said, nah, what the heck, I'll still fish. Well, anyway, there was a a young couple uh, near me, about uh, a couple hundred feet away, and they stopped, and they were looking at this cloud, this uh, storm coming. And then, Rob, it was just the most amazing thing. You could just, well, you've seen them where the the rain is just torrential. It's like a waterfall. And there's nothing 10 feet away. And that's what this thing did. This cloud came Mm. and stopped right at the beach line, the beginning of the beach. And I was down at the down near the water. I was at the water and so was over this other couple. And then for some reason I'm watching, I, and I felt, well, and then I saw the, the storm like heading North up the, uh, it was coming East and then it, it just stopped and then started heading North. And I turned and I looked out over the ocean and out over the ocean near the horizon. I would say looking at, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe 20 to 20 degrees up above the horizon. There was this, uh, to me, it's the only thing I can say. It was a mother craft or, of some kind, huge. I mean, it had to have been out at the horizon, so you can almost see what, two, three miles out. And this thing looked like it was at least, uh, I don't know, a mile in length. And it looked like a 55-gallon drum. It was all black. And I told, I asked somebody about that, what it was, and so yeah, that's the that's the guy who he gave me the guy's name, the captain who operates. He said he controls the weather in uh, on the Mid Atlantic states, and I go, really? <laughs> it was it was mind boggling to me, but and I saw that same craft um, seven years prior to that incident fly fishing, I mean fishing, surf fishing. Uh, and outside of a uh, media line of Pennsylvania, actually, in a horizon uh, as a sun uh, in the early evening, like about five o'clock in the, in the summertime, same craft. And I said, this is so weird. And then the uh, the time my wife and I, she was driving. We were heading back to the uh, uh, to Las Vegas. We were we were driving around. And this was in 80. 88, 88, yeah, 1988, and we were, she was driving, and she was flying along, because the speed, speed limits were different at the time, uh, those years, and I look out to the left, and, uh, and I said, oh my God, there's something going to crash over there, and it was like a black airplane with the tail, but no wings, and no windows, and, and nothing, and it was just like sitting there, and I thought, this thing's going to crash, or it did crash, or something was going to happen, and I, my wife slammed the brakes on, and uh, she said, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm telling you, there was a big big something out. Mm-hmm. And this thing, we timed it, Rob. We went out, we took the power power line road out to a little uh, power station and drove out with a rental car, uh, and it was four and a half miles from the highway back to where I saw this. And and where wow. I saw it, it looked like it was a mile long. And then we, we were hiking around uh, above the... Uh, uh, the, like there were dunes out there, and we were climbing on them and uh, climbing up. And I said, Where the heck did this thing go? It was so huge. And up on the left, when we stopped, and I looked way across. Now I'm looking back past the highway, probably miles away on the other side of the highway, and up high, I could see look looked like a traffic light. Red, green, yellow, and green. But and and from where I was, it looked like the the uh, the globes were the size of a basketball. Hmm. And then I turned and I and and my wife saw it also. And, I, and we turned and we looked the other way and we could see way off in the distance, miles in the distance, where the where the cliffs were. These rock cliffs. It looks like somebody had taken. A laser and and cut a huge rectangle out. Now I don't know how how big it was or what because of the distance uh, that that uh, that we were what we were uh, at. And, uh, and then we decided, well, then if we don't see anything, so we just left. because we, we had to go catch an airplane to head back to Florida. So, uh, but that was that was a big. That was another big hmm. craft. Yeah, that was that was exciting to see something like that. Well, and of course, I didn't have a camera in my hand. <laughs>
0: Answer. Answer me this, David. Why is it that certain people like yourself have the opportunity, or the good fortune of of, of seeing these craft, when there are so many other people
2: who see nothing? Uh, maybe it's just our our philosophy and our our vibrations. At times, uh, as as uh, you know, when you're younger, you're you're. Your mind isn't as cluttered up with things. I, I I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. It, could it also have something to do with
0: the person's own belief structure—that they believe, so they see?
2: No, not not. Well, I never believed yeah. in them. I okay. mean, I would just—I mean, I believed in them. But like the first one, I mean, yeah. how would you how would you believe in something when you if you never saw one before, and uh, Good point. or even and, and plus you're there with five other people. That's. Yeah. And we all saw the exact same thing. And that's a pr- pretty remarkable uh, uh, sighting for something like that to, to see. And uh, because it was the most beautiful, uh, I think it was the most beautiful spacecraft that I've ever seen. E- even to Paul Villa's uh, photographs, I mean, that's a beautiful craft that he photographed in uh, outside of Albuquerque. But this craft uh, that the man said was from Alpha Centauri, that was just amazing. I would, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd want to take a ride. Sure. In it, <laughs> tell, tell our listeners uh, about Paul Villa. Yeah. Mr. Paul Villa was, um, uh, I believe, he, I, I will say that he, he He. immigrated here to the United States, uh, I believe legally. Um, and um, he, uh, he was an auto mechanic and he, he resided outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And he had a little shop there and he started hearing, Somebody had started, heard a voice. Uh, he was working on a car, and somebody said, well, Get your camera and come down to and, and meet us outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. They told him uh, what the, the voice in his head. And he goes, So he get I guess he was underneath the car, and he gets out from underneath the car, and he's looking around and saying, Who's playing a prank on me here? So And he said, Well, so he didn't think anything out, but this continued like uh, for about a week. And he, he, well, then he decided, well, maybe I should do this. And he, he had a Ricoh 35 millimeter camera uh, shooting uh 35 millimeter uh, color. Uh, uh, I guess it was a Kodak of, of color. Yeah, that was negative film. And he went out to an area um, where they told him it, they would be where the spacecraft mm-hmm. would be. And he said, well, you, you know, Rob, can you imagine receiving information like that? I mean, today would be different, but... Here, here you are, here the guy's a, uh, uh, he's a God-fearing man, he was a Catholic, and he's hearing these voices, but any, in his head, anyway, he goes out there, and, and he's still hearing a voice, and they said, okay, we're, we'll get out of your car and right. uh, get yep. your camera out. And this spacecraft, this flying saucer, a real flying saucer with a dome on it, and hmm. uh, it's on my website, you can see all the, uh, all the Paul Villa photographs in color, daytime, and up close. And um, he just started taking pictures of it. And they told him they were going to. He did. They did a few maneuvers with it, and uh, and then it. And then when it came within a quarter of a mile of Paul, and then it's. He said it stopped, and they took a nice picture of that. And then it settled down on the ground, or hovered above the ground, and a little uh, side uh, side door or something opened, and out came a gangplank, and uh, out walked nine people, nine beings, human beings between 7 and 9 feet tall. Uh, all now, right, Mr. what we're
0: going to do, what we're going to do is we've got to take our final break so please stand by. David, okay. as soon as we come back, let's hear more
2: about these
0: people who came out of this spacecraft. Yeah. Nation. our guest this hour is David Campione. His website is spacioussky.com and we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget you can get the current edition of the X Chronicles newspaper with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And welcome back, everyone. David Campione is my special guest. His website is SpaciousSky.com. All right, David, you've got to take us back to where we were before the break okay. when the gangplank came down and these beings, beings came out. Um,
2: uh, five men and four women, uh-huh. all, be- all between seven and nine feet tall, and... They didn't float down. They actually walked out just like you or I would walk uh, walking uh, anywhere. And uh, they walked out and Paul, they told Paul he could take photographs of them. And uh, and he did. He, well, he said he did. I mm-hmm. never saw the night. We never saw anything. Uh, uh, he wasn't he was told by them that he wasn't allowed to release him until oh. on, until they told him to. And of course, he passed before he. I guess he before they. Uh, maybe they never came back. I don't know. So what but, we can what we can say
0: to that is that the extraterrestrials certainly had no psychic abilities. They, oh,
2: you mean for long distance? Well. Well, no.
0: What I was what I was getting at. That was a. Bad, I, all right. That was a bad joke because they said that he <laughs> couldn't release them until he told them to. But they didn't know he was going to die.
2: Yeah. Huh. Well. Yeah. Well. Maybe they thought they were going to do something before he passed on. So Could be. All we, right. But I don't know him and my uh, my father and him corresponded and did everything uh, copyrighted and everything, the Mm -hmm. photos and uh, for, you know, they they corresponded for uh, eight years. But the but Paul, but the interesting uh, to me, which are fascinating or a few interesting things about Paul meeting these these beings, he said that each one of them was emitting a Christ light. Now, to me, that's their body is surrounded in light, like we've seen in. Renaissance pictures. Sure. of Anora Anora. Yeah. yeah. And this is how Paul described it as the as the Christ light that they were all each one of them were surrounded. And he said they were beautifully, beautifully proportioned. They weren't, you know, they just like tall beings like a basketball player, you know, but bigger and so up to nine feet. And um, uh, the other thing is, is they were of course, there, there's no verbal. It's all mental communication. Paul was doing verbal and receiving the uh, information, hearing it in his head, and um, he uh, he went and oh God, where was I going with anyway? He he said that they told him to contact Michael Campione in New Jersey. And Paul's going, what do what you tell, who is this man? He said, well, you find you look him up. He, he's in New Jersey, and he'll help you with getting the, these photographs out and the information out that, that you have that we allowed you to photograph. And uh, he said, we're from Como Barincis, which is, in the M60 in the spiral galaxy of Como Berenices or Bernice's. I, and, um, uh, he didn't say, in fact, Rob, one of the, somebody I was corresponding with or, or, or uh, communicating with, mm-hmm. uh, typing on Facebook one time on, off of your program, off of your uh, site. Right. And they asked me, well, what planet they were they from? I said, well, I don't know. I don't even know where our planet is in the Milky Way, let alone somebody that's 400 over 400 million light years away. But, he, uh, but it was just so strange that they said to contact my father because he's the only one you can trust in this uh, down here on uh, getting the information out and, uh, and and that can be honest with you. And the other thing that they said, which I found was beyond interesting, they were talking and I never saw the correspondence. They were communicating with, to Paul about how they knew about the master Jesus, the Christ, when he when he did his uh, reign here mm-hmm. and, you know, 2000 years ago. And, and he was just like, I mean, can you imagine these people or they come down to this huge space, 160 foot in diameter spacecraft and, uh, and from, well, over 400 million light years away. And they're talking about, uh, by father of uh who to contact. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, uh, Jesus the Christ. <laughs>
0: but but you know what? What I'm I'm listening to this story about Paul Vila, and it sounds very much like the Billy Meyer story.
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but he he was always in touch with the with the people. Paul only had this one one encounter with them. Mm-hmm. So
0: but, Paul's encounter was like um, the earlier contactees. Uh, I I can see his uh, George Damski.
2: Oh well, yeah. George was in the, what the late uh, in the early '50s. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he said he went to Venus and on the mothership. Right. And, uh, <laughs> the thing, the thing that always got me with uh, reading it, I don't know why it always stuck out when uh, out uh, came out of the book and I remembered it. Uh, when George Adamski, was when he was taken from a scout craft uh, and on up to the mothership and they were going to Venus. Well, he smoked cigarettes and he was looking for an ashtray. <laughs> Aboard the, aboard the mothership and they said why do you guys do this stuff down there with the cigarettes mm-hmm. it was just it just struck me as odd or funny you know that these people were you know he's looking for an ashtray okay. and they're taking him to Venus that,
0: that brings up an interesting point <laughs> do you think that these visitors from wherever they are do they pose a threat to the planet do they th- pose a threat to humans
2: I don't believe so. In fact, I, I actually believe that uh, that there are I mean, I've heard uptolds of uh, of a million s- spacecraft and these people are volunteers up there and they're they're volunteering their service from their planets. And they're just they're just up there protect trying to protect us from the you know, not everybody's good up there. <laughs> that's flying around just like here on this planet. You got, you got evil up there yeah. and they have to, they still have to deal with it. And they're, they're trying to protect us. And, um, uh, you know, somebody, sometimes they slip through just like everything else. And they gotta, and they, they gotta take them out. And that's what they do. They, they just laser them and they're gone. You know, but why they, this they,
0: planet? Why, why do they, why do they want to pay so much attention to this planet? And yet they don't want to be known.
2: Uh. It could be because they don't want a nuclear because of the growth of uh, of of our uh, of humanity here if the, if they mm-hmm. if all of a sudden everybody went crazy and started popping nukes over, we just have India and Pakistan are going nuts over there bombing and they all got nukes and then we have China and we have the russians and and uh, god uh, untold. Well, listen
0: well listen if they if they're if they're that much more highly advanced than we are, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and in order for them to get from uh, wherever they are allegedly from in the first place, wouldn't they have the ability to disable any nuclear weapons that were fired by the United States, Canada, Great Britain, whoever fires the nuclear yeah. weapon couldn't they just disable them and they fall? Yeah, into well, I
2: believe they've already done things like that. I mean, I've read stories now how true they are, where even uh, what was in North Dakota, where oh they, yeah,
0: Robert Salas, yeah,
2: yeah, the, the all those silos wow. that are up there and that the, 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 they were were on they just they were disabled well a lot you see of time. there's another story you've got yeah.
0: robert salas who's who's spewing this story to anybody who would listen it's because it gets him to go to different conventions and different mm-hmm. lectures and seminars yeah. you know and it's made him a minor a very minor celebrity who's mm-hmm. telling the story and yet the guy who was in the seat right beside him <laughs> in the silo is saying what the hell is he talking about oh is that right yeah
2: Oh geez, that's crazy. Well, well, I believe they do have the capabilities to do that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, whether <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't know the man's name, but I'm just going on information. See, you just, you just uh, gave me information that uh, that I can question now. Sure, there you go. Yeah, and I appreciate that because. You know, you don't you don't always find out the the truth and uh, what's going on, and Ooh. and and it's quite possible that they can do that, I, uh Robin? Uh, and I think that's part of what they're here, because there was that one planet that's out on the other side of Uranus, mm-hmm. that um, that I called, or my dad always called it Maldek, that they went and blew themselves up, and they're worried about this planet if because. We're at that stage now, or have been with the stage that if we blow this planet, yeah. it somehow throws a solar system out, and it just it just it's endless what could happen and uh, to the milky way and or this part of it, and this is what they're concerned about, and that's why. They, allegedly that's why they're here. I've never spoke to them. I've never been up there to look down or to see their plans. I, I just don't have, I'm just I'm just going on what I I've, I've been told or what I've read over the years and uh, that's what I see. All right,
0: David, tell me this my my time with you is coming up very fast, my friend. Um yes, sir. do you think that we are close to disclosure and the, no. the end of the truth embargo? No. No, no, no I, don't.
2: I don't. No, I've been hearing this I've been hearing for 50 years. Yeah, Rob, me so too.
0: <laughs> in, in fact, I had Stephen Bassett on the show the other day and once oh, again. Oh, is that right? You know, okay. Steve, Stephen is like you a long a long time good friend of yeah. the Exxon. Yeah. And you know, he's got it. I give it. I I've got to give kudos to Stephen because he just, you know, he's right in there saying, "Oh, it's going to happen, it's going to
2: happen." And I feel like saying, Stephen, yeah, I've been hearing that for fifty years. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I hope it does happen, yeah. Rob. That's all I can say. That they're, they're they're going to come out with the truth, but you know, we always, everybody's to say, "Well, they're feeding us little bits of information because yeah. they don't want to panic the populace." But so what? What what else can you panic them with? I mean, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, hey, look. Listen, I hate to do this, my friend, but you yeah. and I have to stay so long for tonight. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, David. Always great talking to you. And Exonation, Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, David Campione, visit his website, www.spacioussky.com. David, until the next time we meet, take care of yourself, my friend, and always thanks, great pleasure talking to you.
2: Thanks, Rob, and God bless you and your whole family and every all the listeners in a Christ light.
0: God bless you, too, my friend. Thank you. Thank Ex- you. X-Zone Nation, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Check out the X-Zone Directory of Who's Who, 2019 edition. It's available online at www.xzdww.net. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, don't go away.
1: Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment.
0: Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit
2: HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org.